What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the host or the guest do not necessarily reflect the views of Paranormal Buzz Radio or its sponsors. Use of any material produced by Paranormal Buzz Radio without express written consent is strictly prohibited. For information on everything Paranormal Buzz Radio has to offer, visit our website, ParanormalBuzzRadio.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Listener discretion is advised. I think I've always believed in the paranormal. But the deeper I get in this field, the more questions I uncover. I started a program called Seeking the Paranormal in an effort to gain insight and dialogue from others interested in the same things as me. And while we've learned a lot together, the questions still remain. So I'm bringing my thoughts to the airwaves, and I've brought along my friends, Adam and John, to share in the fun. Together, we'll tackle the tough topics and debate the evidence as we continue to seek the paranormal. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. Thank you for spending it with Seeking Paranormal, or at least listening to us later. We appreciate it either way. We are on, I think it's episode 27 tonight, which is really exciting because we're getting close to 30. Who would have thought we would make it this long? <laughs> Correct. We haven't made 30 yet. Come on. <laughs> I, know, I know. I am uh, jumping the gun a little bit. So, tonight I wanted to talk about something that, after having done my research, I really should have done this research when I first started out in this field, and it's very clear to me now that nobody does this research. Marianne, I, Jax, I told you so here or not? I you probably will have a few, <laughs> and I, as I was reading, I know I said, God damn it. Um, but uh, that's fine. I mm, it's anyway. I hope that through the discussion that we're gonna have tonight, that people will learn something, and I dare say that it may change the way people investigate. I think it's going to change the way I investigate. In fact, I told Adam as I was reading at work this past weekend. I think I'm ready to sell the K2 meters. I know, right? I'm, it's not because I thought the K2 meter itself was, was anything. It was that I thought EMF was maybe something to pay attention to. And I will ruin the surprise, but I don't anymore. Well, the thing, I mean, the thing is, we still use it, but we don't use a K2. There's 
you know, there's an EMF meter and there's an EMF meter that will tell you what you're actually getting, whereas a K2 will just go, oh, I'm getting something, blink, blink, blink. It does it all the time. I'm going to take it a step further and say that I don't know that I think EMF has anything to do with the paranormal. In fact, I found this website this weekend, and God bless it. It's The group is ASSAP. They are out of Britain. It's the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena. I will put the link on our social media sites. It is not the most user-friendly website, but once you get to the articles and start reading them, it will blow your mind. And... I'm like in love with this website now and the work that these people are doing because they ask very basic questions and make you really start to think about the things that you believe in. In fact, I don't like, I I don't even know. I don't want to even go there yet. Like they made me think about a lot of stuff. So the main question is where did this belief in EMF and the paranormal come from? And there's a couple of different places that depends on the website you want to subscribe to as to where it came from. Most of the websites that I read on or most of the people that I saw mention where they thought the belief came in came from Persinger's God Helmet Experiment. And I know we've talked about that in the past. Basically, long story short, without getting too scientific, Persinger discovered that low level frequency could affect your temporal lobe and potentially would make you hallucinate to the point where you would feel watched or you may even believe that you've seen a figure. So that that experiment in itself is highly debated. There's some people who feel like it was very flawed and incorrect. There's some people who think that he was right on the money. I think he probably had the right idea going. I'm not smart enough to say that there was any problems with his design or his experiment, but I, I kind of believe in it. The second place that I think probably more people were influenced was from Ghost Hunters. And I remember in the early part of that series, it had to have been the first season, they talked about, if you remember, they talked a lot about the effect that EMF could have on people. And that, of course, was going more towards the God Helmet experiment. And they talked a lot about how too much EMF could make you feel like you were being watched, could make you feel very paranoid could make you hallucinate and potentially see a spirit. And and they talked a lot about that. And I remember it was about that time, again, we've talked before in 2012, I took my class at a local community college. And I remember my, I'll call her my teacher for lack of a better title. She said to us, yeah, but if they, you know, it can, EMF can make us feel that way, but the ghosts can also feed off of that. And that makes them stronger and that gives them juice to, to do whatever they're going to do. And from then on, and you can see a change if you watch the Ghost Hunters episodes, they slowly made that change too. And then it became 
all of a sudden, not that the EMF was affecting us, but that the EMF was somehow affecting the paranormal activity. Now, what you can debate on whether you think that ghosts need EMF or if they cause EMF, and initially when I suggested this, that was kind of where I was going, was I wanted to know what EMF had to do with the paranormal. And because why are we looking for it? I don't even know that most of us know why we're looking for it. We just do. And the way we are doing it is by holding these K2 meters up and waiting for them to light up. And, I mean, it's been said a million times over how misused equipment is in this field. And EMF is a prime example of that. God, I just, I don't even know. Okay, let let me take a step back. I, I have shared my opinion, I think, obviously. I now of the opinion that I, and I'll kind of talk about it further later, why I don't think EMF necessarily matters to this field. But I'm curious what your guys' opinions is. Opinions are, that's probably better English, what your opinions are. <laughs> Do better on the English, dang it. <laughs> Each of your opinions is. Yes, please. <laughs> all right. You, uh, no, all right. So, yes, after knowing John, and everybody that listens to this show knows that I don't read a whole heck of a lot, because it's just not my thing. Or at all. I read some stuff, just not very much. But anyways. Is it the stuff um, that makes you go blind? <laughs> what? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to him, and I will tell you that is likely the cho- the case. I, I only read it for the letters page. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> now you made me completely lose my train of thought. Like now, everything that's going to come out of my mouth from this point forward is going to be like blah blah blah. I'll pull the magazine down. Come on, concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> You're making it worse. You're making it worse. Okay, so I do think that there is some possibilities of strange EMF. And I go off of one of our own experiences with it, and that was at the Squirrel Cage Jail, where we did have the K2 going off, which could have obviously been any number of things that caused it. But then we held up the tri-field meter to it, and it was clearly EMF with no real explanation for where that was coming from. So I think there has been some instances that maybe it's possible. But, yes, you are correct when you say that the equipment is being misused. Because as John has pointed out, and also in the one article I was reading... K2 meters are not shielded. And so therefore they can go off from anything, like literally anything. Any kind of speaker, any kind I mean anything can set them off. So, you know, I I think there's a possibility for it, but I think it needs to be approached properly, I guess is my point. And we'll see what happens from this point forward. Well, the K2 meter, I do not like. I mean, the K2 is great because it's video friendly, so you can all sit around the room 
and keep asking questions, eventually that thing's going to flick. I will guarantee you. But you ask a question or not, it's set to get the question and then the flicker at some point, and then that will be great. And that's what you'll see the video edit of. EMF, I mean, EMF, for those that don't understand what it is, it is everything from very low frequency radio all the way up through the spectrum of light, infrared, ultraviolet, all the way up through x-rays, gamma rays, anything that takes on a waveform, basically, is electromagnetic energy. So, the thing is, radio is in there, so if you're not shielded, these are, especially K2s, they're going to pick up radio. And it could be some guy going by with a CB radio clicking, and, and then it could be something bouncing off the clouds and coming back together. You never know where it's coming from when it's not shielded. So, I mean, there, there were, when I was in the army, there were signals guys that said they'd heard World War II transmissions because it had been bouncing around the earth that long, and finally their radio picked it up so they could hear those. So you never know what that's picking up. You know, you, I, I've never been one of EMF goes on, ergo must be a ghost. You know, and I can't, I can't buy that. Now, where I think it is useful because we don't know what ghosts are and if, if ghosts manipulate things in what format they do that. My, my bottom line is if ghosts do interact with something physically, they've got to follow the physical laws of the universe to interact with our universe. They've, you know, so, do they do it using EMF? Honestly, I don't know, and I don't, you know, nobody does. So, it, for me, it's a tool, but I'd rather get one that actually works, and you can switch it to say, is it magnetic, is it electric, is it radio? That way you can, if, if something's going off, and we had that in the uh, um, Granger house, remember? Back by the mower, K2 was going off. Yes. And, and I went back there, and my trifle wasn't going off until I switched it to radio. Right. And it matches the K2. So that and the K2 funny thing about K2. that is that is a consistent spot where it always goes off. Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, it's just weird to me because I'm like, where the heck is it really coming from? You know? I mean, kind of like you, it could be coming from anywhere. It could be coming from, a, you know, a no, you know, it could be a convergent point from a couple of neighbors' routers coming in. Yeah. You, you don't know. And therefore, I'm always, the problem with the EMF is there's so much of it around from everything that, you know, that's electric puts out in the EMF field, radio signals, everything else. There's so much of it, you cannot say, ergo, this is a ghost. But I do believe it's used for corresponding with something else. So if, I don't know, oh, I always like two or three pieces of equipment to go off at once. EMF's one of them. If, if you've taken a baseline and know, let it run for a while and let it know where, where the parameters are, where this thing goes. If you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So if something happens, let's say your temperature drops two or three degrees, the EMF either goes off. Okay. You know, that's correlating evidence. I don't know what it is. But I, I prefer that better than sitting there asking, are you Uncle Charlie? And it flickers a little bit, going, yay, it's a ghost. You know? And that, that's... But we don't know. I mean, why do we measure EMF? It's a very good question. Because, you know, nobody... Who said ghosts use electromagnetic energy? Because, you know... Well, that's exactly, that's exactly the point. The K2 meter, for example is made by a company and 
Hold on, I'm going to pull it up here. So, the K2 meter was a meter that was created to test, basically to make sure that your, your house wasn't giving off harmful levels of electromagnetic fields, I guess. But it kind of was made to go more towards what Persinger was saying, that you know, if you've got too many of these fields, they can affect you negatively. And if you get on Amazon, for example, there are a plethora of books that will tell you how dangerous these fields are for your health. I did not read any of them, so I, I can't tell you, and I'm sure they all have a little bit different variants on why. But basically, the K2 meter was created it says protect your family from harmful EMFs. EMFs, sorry. K2 Enterprises is the company that makes this. This is just one product that they made. And like most of the things that we use in this field, it was never meant to look for ghosts. They created this product and along with several others started manufacturing them in 1987. So K2 Enterprises has been around for a little bit. But their meter is simply to show you how strong the fields are in your home. Now, obviously being more towards the green side is considered safe and more towards the red side would be considered dangerous or too high, for example. The problem with the K2 meter is that you don't know what you're measuring. Are you measuring electro fields? Are you measuring magnetic fields? Are you measuring radio waves? You know, you just, it, nothing is really on there except some light, and you have to trust K2 Enterprises has set this up to give you accurate information. Unfortunately, they're not, in my opinion anyway, even for the purpose that it was created, which is to find these fields. Now, that said, obviously... Even, even when they hit red, though, that isn't how high feel. Well, that's it's what I mean. Problem. That's what yeah. I mean. Now, it, it's helpful in some cases to show you where some of these might be, and, and an example of that would be, you know, maybe around your bed. So, the way Persinger came about his experiment was there was a female in her teens that said that she was being visited by spirits at night, and I think she even went so far as to say that she was visited by God at one point. And it was through her claims that they created the God helmet and showed, you know, that maybe this was affecting her temporal lobe and making her have these hallucinations that she was being visited by these spirits. And then they started to look at things around her bed, and the alarm clocks do I, I mean, they really do. They do give off high, higher electromagnetic energy. Um, you know, your your cell phone can, your cell phone charging can do that. We, If you actually had a good meter and checked around your bed, you would probably be amazed at how much energy is buzzing around your head. No wonder Adam can't sleep. He's got a ton of shit on his head, on his bedside table. Yeah. But, but truly, that can affect us. Now the question is, are we running into these low-frequency pockets, I guess, 
because that is supposed to be what affects our temporal lobe. Are we running into those and that is what's making us feel like we're being watched or are we really being watched? I mean, those are valid questions. There, There is proof that that works because every time I work on a laptop, someone's taped up the camera. So there's EMF coming out of the laptop. They're thinking they're being watched and they tape up their camera. I think that's what's going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let me put so, on my little hat. It, there, and, and like John kind of said, everything creates these fields. I, and, you know, one, one article that I read suggested that a lightning strike in another state could even be affecting the fields that we're getting when we're doing an investigation. That's how crazy all of this stuff is and how it works. And a lot of the, a lot of the fields that we're finding are natural, but it's hard for us to, you know, we always say rule out the obvious, but unfortunately, myself included, too many of us are naive, too naive to know what to really be checking off that list. You know, if you're in a building that has, God, you know, I'm just, you know, um, God damn it, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Basically, any type of electrical equipment will give off these fields. But, you know, wires and, and pipe, wires and pipes in walls and floors can definitely give them out, give off EMF. And, you know, I always think back to the school that we went to, which is no longer school. It's Biola School. And there's definitely no electricity in this building whatsoever. But And so when we went in there with our K2s and they go berserk, we were just like, oh, my God, this is the craziest shit. Why is this happening in this derelict building that is near ruins and there's no electricity? And now after the research that I've done this weekend, I'm a little disappointed to find out that it probably did have a natural source, even though there's no electricity in that building, we still can't take out what's happening naturally in the world. And, and I can't say that that was paranormal. In fact, you, probably I, very good, normal. A good example of that, if you can get your hands on, because we built one, like a Tesla crystal radio, that Nikolai Tesla built, and built. Wait, like, they're, they're kind of easy built to use if you're a little bit electronic. Otherwise, I think you can buy them on Amazon for like 10 bucks, 20 bucks. But if you plug that in and just listen to it, it has an antenna on it, and all it's doing is picking up EMF, radio waves, all kinds of stuff. And you will hear, and Tesla even wrote in his diary, it sounds like people talking, but I cannot bring myself to believe that these are people from another direction. All he's doing, instead of seeing the EMF on a little blinky light, you can actually hear it. And you go in the middle of a field, and you will hear it. And you can hear these things, and it's just... And you can also hear, if thunder goes off, like you said, about state away, miles away, you will hear that thing. All of a sudden, you'll get a loud boom come through that thing where the EMF from the lightning bolt just travels miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, and off it goes. And that, for example, a K2 could be doing very easily, even in a building with no electricity, even though you don't know that the thunderstorm, you know, you know, so... It's very much like the butterfly effects. I mean, honestly, like, 
I, I honestly, I think that because none of us, well, I shouldn't say none, because obviously there are people who are smart enough to know all of the options, but majority of us are not educated enough to know every possible circumstance or natural cause of EMF fields of varying degrees, I don't feel like it's something that we can include in how we investigate because it, it it's near impossible to rule out a natural cause for any high hits that we're getting. I mean, I, as I said, in this building where typically I'd walk through and the fact that I'm getting crazy hits all over the place on a machine that's telling me that there's electromagnetic fields and we're so used to saying, you know, my cell phone was off, so it couldn't have been that because I, you know, I, I've watched TV enough to know that I need to turn my cell phone off when I'm doing that and I didn't have any anything else with me that was giving off signal. Well, the truth of the matter is, even if your cell phone is off or on airplane mode, you can still get fields off of that because it's still cycling, whether you think it is or not. The equipment that we're using can give off the fields. Fuck that K2 meter can give off fields because it's an electronic device. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just like, here's the thing that blew my mind the most, too. I'm going to read this to you because I literally wrote duh above it because it was so obvious. But that's why I am now in love with this, this group. So it's talking about, I'll just read the whole thing. So it's talking about baseline readings. So it is common practice at the start of the haunting investigation to go around a room looking for particular sources of EM fields and to get an overall baseline reading for the area. The idea is to see if there are spikes above the baseline during the vigil that might correspond with paranormal activity. The problem with such baseline readings is that they assume that at the start of the vigil, somehow everything is typical, average, or normal. Duh! What? Like, duh! Where did we ever come up with that idea that this is what we should be basing everything off? Which led led to my idea is you visit the same site multiple times and record everything. From that, you can kind of work out a baseline. Because I was there on this day, it was jumped around here, I was there on that day, it's jumped around. But you're quite correct. It's... You know, here's here's a little here's a little thought. When you talk about this company called K2 Industries that builds the K2, I mean, what a better marketing ploy to start selling more of your devices. But they didn't. They, you know the paranormal community the paranormal community found them because somebody got it in their head that EMF was important to the paranormal community and found these because. There weren't a ton of people making these devices. They just didn't stop people from making them. But they they didn't originally start marketing themselves to the paranormal community. We did that on our own. Well, no, I'm saying that we know of. Hey, you know, corporate people think a lot about how can I market this to be used for something different in order for me to sell more of my product. You can't tell me that that's not a possibility. If you go on their website now, it doesn't say anything about paranormal activity. It doesn't have to. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I, I honestly, I, mean? I don't. I think most of those corporate people think we're all idiots anyway. I don't. 
honestly. I, and maybe that's changed now, but I don't think that was ever their initial intention. Yeah, but prey on the idiot. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I, that is my opinion. I don't think it ever started that way, and I, I don't think that's been their intention. Maybe now. I do, I do have, I do have an issue with the people that build K2 light meters and call them, you know, ghosty meters and have the bleepy orange light. Mm-hmm. I built and, and that's it. You put a button and it just beeps. And they know exactly, they built it, designed it, they know exactly what EMF is and what it's like. If they build this and they slap the word ghost busting, whatever, pick your name on it. You know, and that, that is deception. You know, I'm sorry, that is. K2, they're like, oh, that's great, these lunatics over here, but you know, SLs are up 10% because a bunch of people in dark room buying their stuff. That's fine, we didn't tell them it, fine ghosts, they just think it would. I got nothing against that. But when people start building it and then saying, Ghost hunting stuff finds ghosts, you know, which I'm afraid is my problem with digital housing. When you read their verbiage on their marketing, you know, I say Bill Chappell's a very clever engineer, but he also knows being a clever engineer, you know, that a lot of stuff he makes and sells isn't. No, not ghost finding. One suggestion that ASSAP had was in order to get an accurate baseline reading, if in fact you were going to include EMF in your re or in your, I guess, investigation, that you would need to take a measurement in the exact same place in the room and actually suggested that you have two to three different devices set up in the same room, all stationary and static for 24 hours. And that gives you an idea of what that room is like. And then like John said, you have to continuously come back and, and you know, constantly be getting those readings in order to get an accurate reading of what's normal and what's abnormal for that building. None of us do that. Well, it, they also, you know, with the K2 being a, I don't know if I'm going to use these right words, but it basically sing, single wave where, so it's, it's, single direction. So it's only taking readings from the front of the device. And so if you move even the slightest, you're already affecting the reading that you're getting. So the proper way to use these meters would be to put them down and not touch them again throughout your entire investigation. So by even carrying them around, we're misusing them. So here's the interesting thing about this, and and pretty much anything else that we use to measure but especially EMF meters, is there is an idea, and it's also a paranormal idea, but not to do with ghosts, in that we can, and you pointed this out before, there are people who maybe have PK. So maybe somebody, when you're sitting there and concentrating on the ghost, asking the question, you're concentrating, it's the person setting that on. And the reason I believe that that is possible, if you go and look at the Philip experiment, they made up a ghost. It wasn't a real ghost. They made up history, gave them a name, everything. And they sat and did sound stuff, and the stuff started working. And, yep. you know, so EMF as well, still doesn't prove a ghost, if you see what I'm trying to say. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's fun. And, and we've talked about this you know, once the cells and stuff, is that if I thought that was happening, what I would like to do 
is then take each member aside and then have them sit there and see, you know, if they could set it off and if it's a certain member in your group setting it off or a couple of members or whatever. That's also a test you would need to do if you are getting spikes when you're saying, no, no, really, that's a ghost. We've done baselines and everything and we're still getting spikes. I would then take a member of the group aside and then, you know, everybody will set out these members, then the next members, then the next member, and then see if it's a member setting it off. So, there you go. So, that's still paranormal, don't get me wrong, but it's not a ghost. So, EMF does not equal ghost until we start slicing off what it could be, if that's what we're getting. But I don't believe that's what we're getting. Alan, you're not- no, no. <laughs> I, just, I was giving Adam an opportunity to chime in. I, I don't really have much to add to that, honestly. The, the only thing I would say to that is that if you get people that truly believe in the K2 going off because of the spirit, the minute you bring that one member in that ends up setting it off, they're going to say it's because the spirit's attached to them. That's correct. There's, there's no help. I mean, there's no help. You're never going to convince them anyways, no. which is fine. But I mean, you, you wouldn't be able to do it with a random group of people. You, well, you would have to be with I've, people that you investigate with. I've, I've come to the conclusion and, and it's made, made me a bit less snarky. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's broken into two kinds of people. There are people that really do investigate. So people that get that are going to do that kind of thing. They're going to say, okay, let's bring members in and see if it's that simple. There's another group of people that want to experience. And they've had this wonderful experience, and they do not want to run it down because it's going to pop their bubble and ruin their experience and their stories. Gone, if you see what I mean. So, but can't you do both? Like, I feel like I do both. Well, you do. You can do both. But some people don't want to ruin the experience, and some people want have to still have the experience, and then go, okay, what caused it? And the nice thing is, real investigators only get about 1% of stuff where they go, well, well, was that really, did I really see that? You know, yeah. I can't explain it, and, and I've used the best ways of explaining it. And some people don't look any further than, oh, look, it went like that. Oh, we asked the question, therefore it must be else. Right. Because I will tell you, as I read these probably 50-some pages of articles on emf like the one thing that was a consistent question was number one is it power of suggestion because as we've talked about before we go into all of these places already assuming they're haunted wanting to have the experience that's why we go to places like edinburgh for example we're never out there to find out if they're haunted we go out there already assuming that they are and in fact while y'all are listening to this on monday Adam and I will be at Waverly Hills in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm not going there to prove the place is haunted. Whether I, you know, I'll be that person and I'll tell you I'm going because I assume it already is, and I'm pretty much going to have an experience. However, that said, I am going to try to conduct a reasonable investigation. But the other thing that really concerns me is, you know, there is some convincing evidence that these low-level energy fields could be, you know, 
causing our brains to think we're hearing or seeing things. And I always, like, while I was reading, I kept going back to our experiences at Edinburgh, because if you haven't been there, go sometime, because it really is just a crazy, crazy building, in my opinion, anyway. And, and I think all three of us have had a very similar and separate experiences of disembodied voices. And unless we are all being affected at the same time in the same way by low-level EMF fields, we would have all had to, you know, unanimously hallucinate, for example, the time that Adam and I in our group, C Paranormal, was there and we heard what sounded like a large group of people. Or John and his friend, when they went and were sitting on the stairs and listening to kids. So it's it's experiences like that that lead me to believe that there's still something more than just us hallucinating because of these EMF fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really makes me more cautious now, I guess, be more aware of how that could potentially be affecting us. Like I said, I mean, me, the voices were the 1%. The problem is I didn't get any record or measurement of it, and it irks me. (laughs) It vexes me greatly. (laughs) So now I record everything. Yeah. You know? Well, so ASSAP also said, you know, if you're going to be using electromagnetic fields, here are some questions you need to ask yourself. Do ghosts really emit or disturb electromagnetic fields? Before we can answer that question, there is a more important one to be answered. Are EMF meters even capable of demonstrating that ghosts emit EMF fields? And before we can answer that question, we need to ask, do ghosts even cause hauntings? That is when the top of my head blew off because I don't know that they do. I kind of think that ghosts and hauntings are two separate things now because Again, they ask just these very basic, obvious questions, and you're like, holy fuck, you're right. But of all the things that we see happen as part of hauntings, you know, we hear knocking on the wall, or we hear footsteps, or we see things, we see evidence that something has been moved, or any of this. Nobody has ever witnessed a ghost doing these things. Almost every single time somebody says they have witnessed a full-body apparition, it's usually just standing there and not doing all the things that we associate with a haunting. So I kind of think they might be different. So that really blew my fucking mind. (laughs) Holy shit. I I think I've said this before myself a few times. (laughs) He goes, Really? You didn't ask the question right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have to I'm read sorry. it that way, and now I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, so. Well, and then to make it even more complicated, which I'm not doing, if you go and you study anomalous psychology, that will really blow your mind because a lot of that, you will, you can agree that. Yeah, maybe that's what's happening inside my head because they're not, you know. And the nice thing, if you if you watch anomalous psych- psychologists, they they say the good ones say, look, we're not saying it doesn't happen. 
We're just saying, okay, could it be this? And they go and they look at it and they say, all they're trying to do is rule it out, you know. But they're very good, you know. There's the psychologists and say, okay, and then they do tests, you know. Like I don't know if I explained the dowsing test before, where they hide dowsing things and you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but at the end of it, you know, a big chunk of the people will not agree that they can't douse, even though it's been shown that they can't to them, you know, statistically. But you know. As I mentioned, I won't be probably looking for EMF any longer because I don't feel like it is really anything that's going to help my investigation. For those people who want to, what would you guys suggest they do? Or what's what's a good way to go about that? Or what are reasons to? I don't know. Answer any or all of those questions. <laughs> um. I'm confused. What? <laughs> no, I mean, is it? I, and, and actually, we're working on this uh, myself and another guy called Shane Feek. When we go to Farah, and he's much better at electronics and programming than I am, so he's doing it. <laughs> but the things that you take to measure, make sure that they measure in increments. So, say every three, five seconds, and they log it, and it just keeps measuring. So, the EMF meter, the temperature meter, the you know, um, like putting in the low frequency sound meter in there. So they measure, and you just leave them. And they measure, and they measure, and they measure, and that's it. And then what you can do is, you know, you can have your session near it. That's fine. But the nice thing is, if you've got a continuous measurement, and you can put it in a database, once it's in a database, you can figure out the mean number and where there are spikes, and if there are spikes, and when they and then you can correlate, hey, look, the temperature went down and the EMF went up right at this point, at this time, and you know what you were doing at that time, hopefully. You know, but so if, if your meter is not connected to a computer to constantly have those readouts, how then do you utilize that information? Keep a camera on it. I mean, yeah, it sucks. That's why they're not. You know, normally they're set pieces. You all sit in a circle, you pull it out, you go, bah, 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 and either it goes mm-hmm. off or it doesn't. But you only remember when it goes off. You don't remember all the time it doesn't. So, you know, that empirically for me doesn't really mean much, you know. But as, as if you are doing a full investigation, empirical investigation, where you're, you're trying to measure everything physical that you think of, then that's one of the items that you throw in your kit bag as long as you can do it in that way, if that makes sense. Okay, so let's take it a step back then. Why do we think EMF might be important? What's going on? Oh my goodness. No, actually that's yours because you talked about the it has to exist in the physical world. That's my so, Oh, I know, but I'm just saying, like, elaborate on that a little bit, I guess, for me. Just so I have a better understanding. Okay, so let's say I mean once again, you have to have an hypothesis of what a ghost is and how it does what it does, which we don't really have. You know, well, some do, but if they do things like footsteps, they've got to actually hit something hard enough with force to create a sound wave, or they've got to, they move something, they've got to physically move it. So all these things are physical interactions, whether it's a sound or a movement, or even if you get an apparition standing there or a shadow person, they're affecting a light wave because if they didn't, you wouldn't be able to see them. So they are affecting the physical world in some way. Now, what we've got to try and work out is 
if they're there, at least for me, if they're there and that's happening, how are they interacting with it? If you can nail it down and start getting a measurement that correlates with a uh, a paranormal activity, you know, and it's hard and it's not fun is the thing for most people. But if you can get that correlation, you can start narrowing it down and then going, okay, this is, you know, these conditions, this is, this is what we're looking at. And then you can get a better hypothesis of what a, well, not what a ghost is, but how it interacts, I guess, is what you're looking at. And EMF is one of them because EMF is wave energy. So, and particles can act as waves, you know, in instances. So, that's where I'm at with the EMF meter. Now, the problem is the EMF meter you can buy on the normal market has a very narrow range of wave, you know, the, the wave field. But then you're checking things like light wave fields with infrared cameras. That's a certain EMF band. If you get a full spectrum camera, you're getting the ultraviolet as well. So you're getting all of the light wave band, or a lot of it. So you're doing that, but then the other wave bands, you're going to have to use an EMF detector. But once again, you're going to have to use it properly, get continuous readings, not just whipping out in the middle of the sale to go, you like you know, uh, so for me, EMF is kind of important, but not as per KT. And at the moment, the best I could do is a trifold, and, and we, you know, we use it. Hopefully, we'll get something meaningful. I, I've never got one time we got something meaningful. And the only reason I think meaningful is because it shot up when we were doing something. I think we were using Spirit Box, and we were getting a lot of answers out of it, or we felt we were getting a lot of answers out of it. And the EMF meter suddenly just stopped to shoot up. Nico went to take a picture of it, and that picture was just frazzled. It was just a big frazzle. Yeah, so, and that, that so didn't now we've got but three how do you know pros. it wasn't interference from something else? We don't, but what I'm saying is we've got three things that correlate. We've got, so even if it's an EMF, I've never had my camera frazzled like that and just take a picture well, of it. I don't disagree. You know, so it's, what I'm saying is a correlation of three things. We think we're getting a lot out of the spirit box. The EMF meter goes up, and the camera just takes a picture of a bunch of lines as if it's getting electronically interfered with as it's taking the picture. So, okay, now, am I going to say, that's definitely a ghost? No, but I got three pieces there. That's my 1% right there. And I'm like, I can't explain that. Nothing I know of that would do it, you know, so... Well, and another thing that was suggested is number, and you know, just another big point with the K2 meter, you have no idea what range you're really looking at. But who decides at what point ghosts, for lack of a better term, is able to interact in? And what it seems to look like is that the field that a lot of these meters are set to react to are ones that are kind of set aside for, trying to remember what it said, maritime communication, which basically would mean ships, boats, whatever, and then unauthorized use of waves, basically. And that's where, you know, like John was talking about, those radio waves from World War II coming through. I mean... Shit, that's been there for how long and coming from how far away and just coming out now. Who knows how often you're coming into contact with things like that on your meters 
And I mean, that's just a prime example of things that we wouldn't typically know to rule out because I think most of us haven't done enough research on the equipment we're using to know that that's a possibility. I would love to know, because I'm guessing it is 98% of the people, or 99% of the people who use K2 meters have no clue what they're measuring, why they're measuring it, or what really can affect it. No, I I completely agree with you. Yeah, well, that 99% will argue steadfastly for it, though. And tell you, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's true. You know, <laughs> you don't, un- you don't understand. Ah, oh, you see, they, 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 they can interact with these things. And that's right. it. That's what you'll get. Well, and, and, and even the fine. shows continue to use them. I mean, everybody always holds ghost hunters up on this huge pedestal about, you know, they're so much better than ghost adventures because they, you know, don't talk about orbs and so forth. But they're still using K2 meters, aren't they? I haven't watched it recently, but I know the last time I did, they were using K2 meters. We talked about this before. When you, you know, shows will add science slash pseudoscience on there to add to credibility. It doesn't have to be real science. It's just, it's adding credibility by going, look, we have scientific meters. It's like, they don't really explain what they do. You know, they just, they'll, they'll go over it very, very lightly to give you, okay, it, you know, what's the difference? You ask people, what's the difference between an electronic field and a magnetic field? So, you know, when you switch it between magnetic field and electronic field, what's the difference? You know, yeah. People, you know, they don't go over that because it would take a very long time on their show. But, well, they do spend quite a bit of time, too. Well, we believe that ghosts can manipulate, and they they put a lot more time explaining that part of why they're using the planet. And, and I think, you know, that gives them, quote, scientific credibility because they're using all these gizmos. And people say, well, if they're using it, it must be good. One thing I did question as I was doing my research, so... C Paranormal did an investigation at the jailhouse in, in Ocator, Iowa. Basically, the it's now a bed and breakfast. It was the county jail for nearly 100 years. Beautiful building, but the jailhouse still exists within it. It looks like a house on the outside. You never would have guessed it was a jail. And to know that it was a jail into this century is mind-blowing, quite frankly. But Adam and I were up on the third floor, and I have a little static meter is what it's called. It is a digital dowsing static meter. Basically, it will flash colors, supposedly, if something comes into contact with it. Now, I take it on almost every investigation, and I can count on one hand how many times it's gone off. And so when it first went off at the jailhouse, and we didn't even know what the light was. <laughs> we were all like spent five minutes trying to figure out what that flash of blue light was before we finally remembered, oh, it's the static meter. Well, Adam and I sat up on the third floor and, you know, asked yes, no questions, said once for yes, twice for no, and had a relatively convincing conversation with relatively clear yes, no answers. And I don't know how to explain that in light of my new theory. Static's not the same as EMF, though. 
But static is even more, in my opinion, even less. It, it's harder. It's harder to say that something is a paranormal, paranormally created field of static electricity, I guess, than a natural one. So I don't know. Into that I mean, as well. I mean, static is, I don't know, it, it's a lot more regional, as far as I understand it, at least. So, static wants to ground itself. So, right. wh wherever the charge is being built up, it will ground itself as quickly as possible, and then it's done. It's not flying around everywhere. Like right. a thunderstorm, it you know, you can feel it building, but you haven't got, you know, luck. And then all of a sudden it will come down to the lightning bolt. And you've got you know, you've got static in the air and make your head go up or what have you not, or you rub a balloon and your hand sticks to it. But that goes away very quickly and grounds quickly, you know, and it doesn't, you know, if there was static electricity everywhere, your hair would stand up all the time. So to me, static, you know, if that's what's happening, is it is a lot more plausible than, because it's easier to, to or, or at least it should be easier to find out a source of static electricity. If you've got one sitting next to a, a nylon balloon or whatever, you know, yeah, that, the balloon did it. Or if it's on carpet, like nylon carpet, then yeah, I'd say probably the carpet. Well, it, it was on carpet, but I will point out that it was August, so it was very humid. But I've never had a, I've never been able to replicate that experience, and unfortunately we haven't been back to the jailhouse in either. But, it, I mean, that's obviously something that I would want to try again. Now, in your opinions, do you think static is something that is more worthy of our attention than EMF? Yeah, probably. Honestly, I think it's worth, you know, trying to devise something a little bit better to pick it up. Um, something that could actually measure it, the amount of static. I will counter that by letting you know that you counter that <laughs> Paranology's periscope, which uh, we have, uh -huh, we do. is a static meter. That is true. And it's supposed to, the theory behind it, sorry, I'm looking through my notes. The theory behind it is that, I have it right here, I will tell you. Static fields are natural DC electric fields that can be present on an object or a human. They can exist in the air, especially during a thunderstorm. Static fields are different from magnetic fields, which most meters in the paranormal field pick up. Magnetic fields are used widely throughout today's technology and therefore can make a meter false. Since the periscope detects static fields, it is less likely to create a false positive. The the point behind the periscope is basically to tell you what way static electricity is moving left to right. I don't know. What are your uh what are your opinions on that? I got a couple of ideas on that. First off, if it's the one I'm thinking of, isn't that the one in the three D printed housing? Can you see? Yep, that's it. And yep. all all those things sticking out in the housing is basically nylon. So every mm -hmm. time you touch it, you, you you know, if you rub it or touch it is what you're causing <laughs> electricity. So, you know, if I was going to do it, I wouldn't put it in those materials. The second thing is, if ghosts are made of static, the problem will be how do they not discharge? That's the problem. So, if ghosts are paranormal, that okay, they use they, they generate static electricity. That's fine. But how do they stop that static electricity from grounding once they're generated? Once again, it's paranormal. Maybe there's something we don't know that lets them do that. So. 
for me, EMF or static, they're both tools to measure something that could be, we don't think there is, maybe there is, we don't know. You know, so just measure, you know, and, and see what you get. I don't know. Okay, so there are also people, I'm just going to put this out there, there are also people using negative ion counters to try to, same way that they are using EMF detectors, and I read about one article enough to fill me in on that. That is ridiculous as well. Stop doing that. That, I do have a question now that I need education on, and perhaps the answer is in no way, but I don't know enough about 5G, but along with all of excuse me, these books on how EMF is destroying us and killing us and giving us cancer and so forth. There were several that included 5G in that. How does 5G really affect our environment and could it be having an effect on the equipment that we're using or could it be having an effect on the paranormal field in general? Can I take this one? Because the 5G one really irks me that it's, it's causing COVID. There is a lot of people that do say it. Here is here is the here is the uh, water table on EMF versus health. And I know there's probably lots of people who don't agree with Is we've been studying the effects of that very heavily since the eighties when the phones came out. Mm-hmm. And WHO and you know, lots of other institutes have said it's fine. There is there is some evidence for people that use cell phones all the bloody time that they have when if they develop a certain type of tumor, it's always in the same side of their head as they hold their phone. That is the only correlation we have found between EMF and actual bodily harm. Now we also know that if you Put your head by a very strong EMF force, and when I say very strong, I mean very strong. You know, it will affect uh, how your perception sometimes of reality can up top. You know, headaches, hallucinations, this and that. Long term effects haven't been proved, but that's a very strong EMF force. So, I guess you know, we've been doing it for what, forty years worth of statistics testing, yada yada yada, and you know the amount of Death caused by what people suggest it does hasn't gone up at all. You know, it, I mean, lots of people haven't started dropping dead since cell phones came out or microwaves came out or, you know, it's, the death rate isn't any higher. So, you know, the EMF thing, and I'm not saying everybody for it get attacked, but some of it is they'll get a piece of information will go in their head. Once again, you get what's called an element animalistic psychology, it's in your head, you feel something, you go, oh, it must be, you know, when, and I remember when they the gas meters, they put those chips in there so they just drive by and read them before the gas meters, people were going, well, I can't sleep now since they put that in, <laughs> which is scientifically, it, no, it doesn't work that way, but you're not going to get that idea out of people's heads, so, you know, and it hasn't been proven, and there's no statistics, and but People will report it because the same as people won't take vaccines because, hey, that will give you autism. Okay, that's not true either, but how many anti-vaxxers are there? It's, it's, you know. So, that's my take on the EMF and, you know, 5G. 5G is just a different wavelength. Yeah, if they were putting out microwaves, I'd be scared. 
But do you, so do you think that that could affect the EMF detectors people are using in the field? I don't know enough about it, so I can't say yes or no. Well, once again, it depends on what detector they're using. So okay, K2, because that's the one that's most widely used. I, honestly, I don't know because I haven't looked at what wavelength that is, but I would imagine on K2, yes, it could. If you're by a tower, that's going to affect it because those things are so susceptible to that anything. You know, a 5G tower. You know, and plus, I mean, all the phones are in 5G. You know, you know, the 4G phones affect them. Guess what? I think the 5G probably will too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I I guess what I really wanted people to get out of this is don't look for EMF unless you know what you're looking for, why you're looking for it, and how the device in your hand does that for you. And if you're using a K2 meter, all you're detecting is if there's a field there and it does not detect anything paranormal. Because as it's been pointed out everywhere by everyone, we don't know what is paranormal yet. I, I, like I said, I will put a link to this group's site. I highly encourage you to look at some of their articles because they just have a way of putting the questions to you. Or stating things just so blatant that you, honestly, you write dub of them. Because why would you ever think just because you walked into a room and took a baseline reading that that was going to be your average? Why does it have to be that way? Well, because we saw it on TV, as honestly. And sometimes you don't realize how much you're mimicking TV. And, and I guess I just, in an effort of progressing this field... I, anytime I can get myself and the others around me to recognize when we're mimicking and not doing anything that's really worth a shit, I, I want to bring that to the forefront. And so, in my opinion, if you're using a K2, it's time to get rid of it. Unless you're using it to have a good time, in which case, carry on. Right. Well, but K2 is not. I mean, the K2 meter, I think we can all agree, is not really doing you a whole lot of good. I mean, and we always say unless you're using it in conjunction with other tools, but even then, it depends on what the other tools are. Just a tri-field, not a KT. They're not that much more expensive. But even then, I don't think most of, I think that people get those and they still don't know enough about what they're doing or what they're looking for or why they're doing what they're doing. And in fact, I, I still think with those, you still kind of have to, if you want to get a true reading, you still have to kind of just let it sit static and take readings instead yeah. of carrying it around. Because, for example, in the Granger house, as soon as that furnace kicks in, those motors come on, that yes. thing goes, yep. and then you're like, oh, something's happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting warmer. I mean, if you sit in the dining room at the Granger house and you are on just that one seat towards the end, um, on the south, what would that be? Southwest side of the table? Uh, yeah. Even, they just even start to kick on and your EMF detectors are going to go berserk. Or I mean, the floor will go berserk too. Especially in the, uh, dining. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, on the table, like, you don't even have to, but that's, like, that's the point, because, you know, you're, you're thinking, oh, I'm sitting at the table, it's not down on the floor, but it, I, I mean, people, I'm telling you, you don't have to have it right on that. It can appear to be floating, that doesn't mean it is. 
Well, the, the other thing is to mention, if you're going to use one, don't walk around with it. I see mm-hmm. everyone walking around with it. Don't mm-hmm. walk around because by moving it, even if it's a still field, by moving it, it thinks it's a changing field. And yes. So just leave it still. And, and if, if you want to use one, leave it still, get a good one, leave it sit, and record it for, very, well, record it all the time if you can. Yeah. But for as long as possible. And then if you get a spine that correlates with something else, maybe that's meaningful. And I think that's, I think that's why, you know, as far as the EMF detectors that we have, I will probably continue to use the EDI meter because that at least gives you EMF and temperature. So mm-hmm. if you could see both of those change at the same time, that might be a little bit more significant than just one going off. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an, you know, at least you've got two things. Plus, I mean, people who do this, we've got budgets, so we can't go out and buy the, you know, the expensive crap or have someone make it for us, you know. Um, so, because of what you can afford, but as long as you can understand what it is, what its limitations are, what it's for, you know, that's fine. You know, go and, and take the best record you can with. But you know, it's the like, I don't know what a magnometer is, but that's what this group suggests using, and apparently it's not at all inexpensive. It's very yeah. expensive. No. Do you know what the cheapest magnometer is? It's no. a compass. Just get a compass. Oh, yes. Okay, thank you, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, but that's what, basically, they said, if you're, you know, if you're going to look for it, use... A magnometer, but even that's not foolproof. I'm just to the point now where I can throw in the towel and know that I don't know enough about EMF, that nothing I'm going to get using anything I own is going to give me enough proof of anything. I'd rather just take my voice recorder and say fuck it with the K2 meter and have one less thing to carry around, quite frankly. So, that's that's where I'm at with my life right now. So, Cheers. (laughs) <laughs> because oh, I I just like to record everything because you know that's that's how you get better. Well, but you and I also come from two very different perspectives. Yeah, we did. Much more mm-hmm. interested in the science. I am much more interested in somebody just talking to me. So I don't want to know the who or the what, uh, why. I want to know the how. And that's all I thing. want to know is the <laughs> who. So yeah, together, John and I will have a really good scope of what's going on but we're coming from two completely different sides of it so which is what makes a good group though we, we, we this discuss is true. this with other people you yes. have someone who's really good at doing research and someone who's really good at electronics and physics and someone who's really good at, you know everybody has a part playing mm-hmm. so, I'm right. really good at jacking shit carrying equipment that's my job <laughs> yay <laughs> that's not true I'm the equipment carrying guy that's what I can do <laughs> There's two is needed. <laughs> old and feeble ones. I'm the guy that somebody says, hey, climb up to the top of that thing and put a camera up there. Okay. Whatever. First of all, we don't <laughs> climb up and put cameras on top of anything anymore. Well, we did at the weeding theater that one time. and Yeah. I I think, you know, best piece of equipment to take is your brain. And keep it switched on. That's all. Oh. There, keep it switched I don't on. know. Yeah. That's even questionable yeah. sometimes. No, Adam's got a pretty good internet. Oh, Adam. Yeah, so do you. We're talking about Adam. If you're talking in general. Well, 
Now, in, well, in general, it's true, but sadly, switched on is not always apparent. I would agree with that. So. Well, I uh, would like to be the first to congratulate John on his inclusion into the Granger House Board of Directors, which woohoo, at the time of this recording took place last night. So we are pleased to have him on board. And it's good Thank to know that we've got me. another person on who cares about our building and everything in it. So congratulations. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I yes. have a laundry list as long as my arm. <laughs> I am glad to do it though. It's it's fun. Good. Well, and I I am sad that you will not be accompanying us this weekend to Louisville, but Wait, yeah, Met, which is in Louisville. Yes. But Methwick needs you, <laughs> so <laughs> you, especially now because their internet's starting to go funky, and I know I'm going to get caught in this weekend. So. Yeah. Well, that's because everybody is on the internet. So. I know. If it goes down for 10 minutes, you get a call. Well, why can I work it? Because <laughs> well, you broke the internet, that's why. Right. Nobody can have it now. <laughs> <laughs> Selfish. Now, go in the corner and think about what you just did. Right. <laughs> All right. Anything <laughs> you two want to add on EMF? I mean, in general, one thing I will add is ghost hunting is a hobby. You know, we're never going to prove it. None of us, you know, all we can do is add to the data pool and point things out. But part of the hobby is, or should be, is, is educating yourself. So don't don't just sit back and say so-and-so said, yeah. and these guys are doing it. You know, actually look into it. Give them a bit of education. And, and, I agree. You know, I concur wholeheartedly. Well, I don't have any ideas for a topic for next time. Do either of you? Nope. Crickets. Okay. We'll come well, up we, with something. We will put our heads together, come up with something. Until then, if you want to catch up with John and what he's doing, you can catch him with Phantom Science, and they are phantomscience.net. Their podcast airs on Sunday night. I always forget if it's 7 or 8. Seven. Seven central. Yes. So check he and Nico out. They're always having good scientific conversations, much more so than we typically have. But, you know, <laughs> they're a little bit more mature than we are. What are you going to do? That's not got anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, my podcasting is not mature. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Gotta catch up. Oh, you know what? As I'm starting to put out our stuff here, I I forgot to mention. I did ask our. Sorry to backtrack here. I did ask our social media people how they felt about EMF and if they thought it was important to a paranormal investigation on Facebook. Never to be disappointed with our Facebook followers. Twenty five people read our post and clicked on it and zero answered the question. Yay. <laughs> Is that a the course? Yes. Never <laughs> let down by them. Ever. Things were slightly better on Twitter. We only had six people vote, but uh we had one person say I'm not sure, one person say no, and four people say yes. They thought indicative of the presence of paranormal activity. So, 
no comments though, so I don't have any uh, comments from anybody to share. But I thought I would share that. You're gonna listen to this and stop listening now. Those four people that said, "Yes, yeah, very important." Go back in there and make me like you go. No, you're saying no now. I'm listening to you. You don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, and I always tell people, if you've got a different opinion, please share it. Nobody ever does. But if you, I would love to read your comment and have a discussion about it. So, shit, if you've got a good enough comment, maybe we'll include you in our next podcast and we can have a conversation about it. So, highly encourage you to leave your feedback. We are always open to it. That's what make good makes good dialogue. Anyway, if you want to catch up with John, he, of course, is on phantomscience.net. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at C Paranormal Sarah. It's S-E-E, Paranormal Sarah with an H. And then, of course, the three of us are on Facebook, Twitter, and newly on Instagram at Seeking the Paranormal. Huh? Right? That's kind of how I feel about it. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm getting slightly better at it, but and with that, we will leave you until next time, my friends. Take care of yourself and keep seeking the paranormal. We're out. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs>